House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. You've made it back into the House of Mystery. And uh, now joining us, as uh, we were talking about before, is the uh, author of the uh, new book, The Best New True Crime Stories, Serial Killers, Mitzi Soretto. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I'm actually the editor, but I'm also one of the authors in the book. So it, it's my baby, but I didn't write the whole thing. It's your baby. Um, so tell, <laughs> tell us about this. So uh, you're the editor, so you you basically have uh, put together all the stories. How did you get on to doing this book, and what made you do this book? Well, um, you know, I've edited a lot of anthologies over the year and uh, over the years in various genres, and uh, I've done crime before, but I've done it in a fictional capacity. And uh, I was just actually brainstorming uh, on the phone with um, a publisher who I actually used to work with uh, at another publishing house, and uh, we were just talking about true crime. And uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's hot, um, which could be good and bad because then you know when everything you know people tend to turn out a lot of content that may not be that high level but uh you know i said yeah i'm certainly i'd be up for you know giving it a go and uh doing some true crime and that's really how it came about hmm. so how did you choose who you were going to put in the book like who was going to contribute to the book is there a method to this uh, a method to my madness, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I disseminate my my calls for submissions uh, quite widely. You know, I, I reach out all over the place uh, to organizations, writers, uh, etc. And for this book, I sort of did it uh, a half and half. Uh, I contacted some some writers specifically uh, who uh, I knew or knew of or have worked with in the past. And then I left the rest uh, to chance, and uh, it just really came together well. I mean, I'm I'm just so pleased with with the finished product. Uh, I'm so pleased with the stories uh, and the quality of the book. And uh, you know, that that's actually the first time I've reached out to so many people personally to be in the book. You know, normally uh, I just you know maybe I might ask one person or two at the most, but uh, you know this. As I said, this was my debut true crime book, and I, I kind of wanted to uh, have a little safety net, as it were. Yeah. And here I thought I was special. No, I, well, oh, I'm, well, you were. I did. You are special. <laughs> I was going to say, you've got some good names, Lee Mahler, Mahler and some of these names, and all of a sudden you've got Mike Brown. Like, my yeah, God, who's nice I had to fill some stuff. Yeah, where do you come from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, needed, <laughs> you needed some filler. <laughs> it must be those bullet holes in my window. That's that's what it was. Why I had to put Mike in the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it wasn't me. Yeah. Sorry, no. <laughs> no, it was a strong post. Um, now, now, was there? Did, were you looking for specific um, topics, like um, certain serial killers that you wanted to talk about, like you say Ted Bundy and and Dahmer and stuff like that? Did you have a list of these killers and and then look for people that would contribute? on those killers or was it just you were going to the contributor and then taking what they would want to write 
uh, it was the latter. Um, I did not have specific uh, people in mind other than the one that I chose to write for my own story. Um, I didn't really want Bundy and Dahmer, and they're not in the book. I, I do reference them in the introduction. But, I mean, I think, you know, there's just so much on Bundy already that we're, we're Bundied out. Uh, and um, I was interested in getting some cases that maybe are not so known to people. And, uh, and as I usually do with my books, I like a really international group of people and an international uh, bunch of content. That's what my, my sole purpose was. And uh, it really worked out because there's some, you know, I mean, We've hit pretty much every corner of the globe with the subjects in this book, and writers as well from every corner of the globe. So, what was what was the story that you wrote about? Like, what was it that you contributed? Um, I wrote a, a piece called "The Monster of Kichibo, and it's about a uh, Macedonian serial killer, and uh, Vlado Tineski, and uh, he was a journalist. And he started to uh, write about a serial killer in his uh, in his small city that he lived in, and uh, you know that it was it was there was a modus operandi. It was it was all much older women. Uh, they were all like cleaning women, uh, motherly types, uh, not particularly educated, and they all seemed to live in the same neighborhood where Vlad Otineski lived. And he actually knew these people himself, and. Uh, you know, he sort of became the main guy reporting about this uh, serial killer case. But, you know, as I, as I go through this story and provide information and evidence from all corners, um, you know, it's, it's never really been confirmed that he was the killer. And since he's dead, obviously, it's sort of a done deal as far as uh, really knowing for sure. I mean, it's assumed he was, but I do leave that question open. Yeah, it's got to be tough when you do like uh, 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 something like that, a case something like that. Um, how long does it take you to do a, uh, a story like that? You know, I'll tell you, uh, nonfiction is is hard work. I mean, writing is hard, work, but nonfiction I find particularly um, <laughs> hair raising because it's just there's just so much. You know, you the research, um, the cross checking of research. I mean, you could find information, but you need to make sure that information is correct. So, you know, there's a lot of time spent looking up different things and, and making sure what you have is, is accurate. Um, I worked uh, quite a bit on my story. Uh, you know, I the, the book itself was quite time-consuming, but I had a specific deadline, so I, I worked long hours to get it done, and I worked a lot of hours on my story. Um, I do actually have an undergraduate degree in journalism, so uh, this kind of really did work for me. I, I kind of brought that back into play again, working in true crime. Hmm. Yeah, does that concern you now because of um, the way the Internet has really blown up, that um, there's a lot of things out there and stories that aren't necessarily true, and it's harder to get good evidence, especially if you don't, you know, search it out yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, even on Tineski, there was just things that, uh, yeah, I definitely was checking into that. Uh, you know, every everybody can have a blog, and everybody can, you know, post stuff. 
And, uh, I mean, even you have that issue with Wikipedia. There, there's not necessarily uh, fact-based everything on there either. Um, I remember in journalism school when they said, you know, to research pieces, they said, please don't cite Wikipedia. And even, you know, in just general university education, they say, you know, don't, don't use that as your sole source of, of research for a paper. So, you know, multiply that a hundred times or a thousand times by all the true crime uh, bloggers and just people who are really interested in it, putting information out. And uh, it's like the Chinese whispers, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We found that um, actually and a lot of times we've come across some writers that way, too, that uh, really base all their information off of that, you know, um, yeah. off of the TV show, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean yeah, you can just... get, you can get stuff from TV, but you, you you can there are some you know TV, but you know of, of course with TV there's so much dramatization and even something supposedly nonfiction has been heavily dramatized. Oh, totally, totally. I, I even uh, even um, one of the books I wrote, um, I did a show on oxygen, and they changed a lot of it, and and not necessarily for the better. Uh, it was it was more about what was. Going to keep people entertained, you know. Yeah. You know exactly. So, exactly. So, so, so yeah, you can't. You, you, I always say you got to get two sources for everything. Um, to, mm, as many sources you can ring out, and can, I, I, I'm but, kind of OCD on that. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm working on something right now for my next book, and I mean, the amount of uh, sources that I have is taking up two pages of, of you know, Word document to, you know, where I'm finding my information and checking things out. It's, it's crazy. And, of course, if it's an obscure case, that makes it really tough. Yeah, I was going to say, like, on something where, where people are already passed, how do you determine, like, when you get different sources, um, because you can have one one person that's, um, thought of as a, a criminal, and you can talk to ten people about that person and get ten total different perspectives. So, uh, when they're dead and you can't talk to them, how how is it you put that? Like, how do you decide which perspective you're going to take? Um, for me, I try to provide a really well-rounded perspective and, and perspective from several different people or sources because, um, you know, I don't think it's really fair just to use one and then paint someone in a certain light when there could be other things. Um, I mean, obviously with serial killers, I'm not saying these are wonderful guys and, and ladies in here, but, um, you know, there, there's different things going on and um, I try to provide that information so, so there's some understanding of, of, you know, who these people are, perhaps what made them do this, uh, what, other, what other circumstances were going on in their lives, um, and, you know, repercussions, cultural, uh, the effect on culture and society by, by their acts, that sort of thing. So something really well-rounded. And I think, you know, in journalism school, that's what I was taught to do, and that's really how I'm approaching this. Yeah, yeah, I agree totally. I'm from that background myself. I, um, so... Who who are some of your favorite writers or, or people that have influenced you? Of course, there's me. I know I'm probably your most favorite, but besides, <laughs> help, <laughs> help. <laughs> besides me, um, uh, no. What, who, what a what a sledgehammer hint that was. <laughs> no, who who would really um, influence you, like um, as a crime writer? You know, it's really hard to say because um, I was not um, a huge 
reader of true crime. But but the odd thing was is um, I, I actually recently wrote an essay called "Is True Crime Bad for You." Um, that is over at the Strand Magazine, and um, I hadn't really thought that much about true crime, or was thought I was particularly uh, interested in true crime. And then it occurred to me that I'd actually been consuming true crime from an early age. Uh, you know, watching a lot of those uh, uh, news magazine shows on TV, uh, docudramas, that sort of thing. And you know, they're primarily true crime stories. So uh, I think that's something that uh, was sitting on my, my shoulder all these years, and I didn't even realize it until recently. Hmm. So, um, no, nothing really your favorite? What, well, actually, I mean, um, the, the, uh, of course, uh, you know, one of, one of the books I read was Anne Rule's book on Bundy, because, I mean, that's just uh, such an amazing book. The fact that she's tasked to write this book about a serial killer, not even realizing that the guy sitting in the office with her is the person who everyone's looking for. So, I mean, that is totally, um, what are the odds of that? Uh, uh, great odds. <laughs> now, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe in your life. <laughs> yeah, now, nowadays, nowadays. Isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. Well, what's your opinion on that then? Like when you say... Um, is true crime good for you? Do, do you think it has a good influence on us as a society? Um, like, I mean, well, it, I mean, I... I okay, go ahead. I was going to say, ahead. put this in context. Being where you, where you live, I know you're in Canada and the U.S. probably a fair bit. There's two different angles there because in the U.S. you've got uh, wide open. Everyone's uh, true crime... You know, there's so many shows, there's, there's so much on the news, uh, Nancy Grace sort of things going on. And in Canada, it's a lot more reserved. You don't hear near as much um, opinion about the crimes as you do in the U.S. So, you know, so from the two different angles, do you, do you think it's good being so open as the U.S.? Um, you know, the the one issue with the U.S. is there's always that, there, the, this trying to put an entertainment spin on it is a bit disturbing. Um, I, I think, um, you know, for what I try to do is uh, be more informational, uh, giving people some perspective and some knowledge about what's behind all of this. And I think the, the analysis is something that we need to see more of. Um, sensationalism, I don't think, is really suitable, and some true crime is sensationalist, and that's something I definitely ran a mile from and did not want to have in my book. But, um, you know, the U.S. is the U.S., and everything's always inflated 10 million times, and that's just the way it's been, and I doubt that's going to change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try to do the same thing on my podcast. We are focused on the victim and the people around the crime, to try and determine, you know, what made this person tick, what happened afterward, how do people feel about these things. Uh, those are things that kind of get lost in the quote-unquote murder porn world. Oh. <laughs> that's Actually, that's exactly it, murder porn. I mean, that is that is something that... Um, that I don't, I don't really think that's good. And, and in my piece that I wrote, I had kind of referenced that. I mean, but but you know, true crime is is educational. You know, there's, it's a learning experience. Um, one of the reasons um, I mentioned that women are big consumers of true crime, and a lot of them 
uh, actually find this informative because it's sort of um, uh, like a bit of a warning story, things that maybe they should be aware of, look out for. So it's, it's educational in that regard as well. And let's face it, people are fascinated by this content. I mean, this is the darkest part of of people's lives, especially serial killers. This is pretty dark stuff. And most of us can't really even conceive of this. So, of course, there's a fascination to try to understand what makes these people tick. I, I, just, I just wonder, but um, when, when, when a person gets into a certain industry, like a person becomes a policeman or a person becomes loss prevention in a store, and they, they start doing something in a, for a number of years, um, they start to look at all people as what they're doing wrong. They all, they're, they're looking for something. Does, does that make sense? Like, and so if, if you're totally obsessed in true crime, are you, are you not going to start looking at your neighbors like, oh, I wonder if, you know, <laughs> you know, she's missing. I haven't seen her for two days. Did he kill her? You know, and d does it start to make us a little bit more paranoid? You know, it could, but then on the other hand, maybe that person who hasn't been seen in a couple of days, there's a reason why they haven't been seen, and maybe people do need to kind of be aware of what's going on around them. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword, really. Yeah, so Mike, where is Carol? She's at work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. So now, and it's, uh, put it to, to Mike there for a sec. I know you're kind of on the, the co-host seat, but what, story did you choose and why 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 did you choose that story to be put into the book i cho chose the story of uh, clifford olson our local surrey based serial killer here and because it's local to me and also uh when i was a young person uh a man tried to abduct me and uh do bad things to me and it was exactly the time around uh clifford olson's reign of terror so it's a really personal story to me and i have a lot of uh emotional investment in it so uh, that's something that i've always wanted to write about i've i've done a couple of episodes on our show about it but uh, i was so happy when uh, mitzi contacted me and i could finally get it out of me kind of thing <laughs> Yeah, and now you're doing and you're doing some more writing, Mike. So uh, this this question will be for both of you. So um, is it important to put your emotional tie to the story when you write it, or how is, how is say it? Is it important to have that in the story? Not. It depends on the story, really. If if I really do have a connection to it, I'm going to mention it. Uh, but if I don't feel, um, I mean, I'm always going to write it from a human perspective. I'm I'm going to try and figure out how you know what what the heck <laughs> made this person want to do these kind of things, and um, what was the victim feeling at the time. So there's always that human aspect, but not necessarily about me at all. And what about you, Mitzi? Um, well, you know, fortunately, I, I don't have an experience like that in my life, but uh, there are stories in the uh, in the Best New True Crime Story Serial Killers book that are first person. Um, I have a piece written by Danuta Cott, who uh, is a crime writer in the UK, and she tells a story about how living in Sheffield, um, uh, she 
uh, it was at the time of the Yorkshire River, Peter Sutcliffe, and she has a very creepy uh, anecdote about uh, how she was followed on her way home one one evening, and uh, it, it's very likely that the person who who was um, following her was Peter Sutcliffe, and she managed to, uh, you know, get away from him. But then the killings started to happen after that. So you know, there there are first person accounts in here. Um, there's another piece by um, a Native American writer, uh, Marcy Rendon, who uh, lived in uh, Minneapolis in the mid-80s, and there was a serial killer targeting Native women in her community. And she knew people who's, uh, you know, she knew some of the victims and spoke to people who were there at the time. So uh, there are, obviously, like I said, there's representations of people whose lives were affected personally by these killers not just people who are writing about them, you know, from the safety of, you know, say myself. Yeah. Are you, are you happy with what, how it came out, the whole overall project? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled with it. I mean, I, you know, I, I always want to have my books be as good as they can possibly be, but, um, this, this exceeded my expectations. And what, what I, what, what really, you know, makes me, thrilled is the fact that this is my first true crime book and that it came out this well and and i got so many quality stories and 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 stories that actually have something to say you know something that you're going to take away with you and and make you think and and that's that's what i wanted to do and and i think that i achieved that and so far from the feedback i'm getting (laughs) i seem to get people agreeing and I'm not giving them money to agree with me. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, so do you plan on doing more then, or are you going to keep keep this format up, or are you going to jump into something different? I'm actually working on a new book, um, The Best New True Crime Stories, Small Towns. Oh, so cool. it is another anthology. Yeah, it's another anthology, um, like the Serial Killers one, but this is going to be uh, true crimes that have happened in small towns, Uh and small towns around the world, not just, you know, what we think of as small towns such as, you know, in, in North America. But um, it'll be international in scope. Um, and, again, quality stories, uh, things that will make you think, uh, things that you may, you know, cases you may be familiar with and some you may never have heard of. So uh, it'll be pretty much along the same lines. So if you like this, I think you'll like that. I can't wait to read that one. Good. <laughs> now, do do sometimes do you get a story, and maybe you got one for this book? Um, Mine. Which, <laughs> which no, not, not which to- totally shocked you, like like it, it was totally by how bad it was. Mine. Yeah. No. No. To- <laughs> totally, as in the story itself, as in you get a story, and you just can't believe what happened in the story like you just sort of it stays with you um have you had one of those or do you get did you put one of those in the book um well you know there's several that are pretty out far out there i mean um the rat man is is pretty far out there it's it's about a uh a serial killer in in japan uh who is a a pedophile and a cannibal and a necrophiliac, <laughs> and it's it's a pretty heinous. I mean, serial killers are not, you know, like I said, people 
that are lovely people is a general rule. But this this character is is way out there on the spectrum of horrible. So, I mean, that that was quite a shocking one. And, of course, you know, that had to be dealt with carefully because, I mean, you know, especially you're dealing with um, children as the victims and, uh, you know, you, 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 writers have to sort of be aware of what they're writing and not sensationalize it. And uh, so, yeah, the Rat Man's definitely on the top of the list for that. Um, Do you feel that there's a rehabilitation option for serial killers, or is it once you're a serial killer, always a serial killer? Well, you know, there's actually a story in the book that um, opens that question up. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you my answer first, and then I'll just reference that story. But I just don't think there's rehabilitation. I think there's a, there's a line that someone crosses, and you just cannot come back from it. And that's not just for serial killers. You know, there's there's other things that that are in that category. But no, I I don't think you can rehabilitate a serial killer. Um, with regard to uh, the story that I mentioned, um, there's a piece in here called "The Quiet Man in the Overalls Struggled to Be Heard" by mm-hmm. Stephen Wade, who's a British writer, um, and it's about Dennis Nilsson, who was a serial killer. Um, in the London area, London, England, and uh, he mostly he he targeted men. Um, he, he would you know they would come home with him or whatever, and uh, he he kind of they, they they nicknamed him that he kills for company because he just wanted company, and if people just came over for sex, it's sort of signed their death warrant. But um, this piece, um, the writer was a uh, writer in prisons, and Nilsson was in his uh, writing class, and uh, he talks quite a bit about. Is prison, does prison work? And would it work for someone like Nilsson? And how Nilsson had even written an autobiography and he wanted to see it published and all of this. Um, so, I mean, there's quite a lot of interesting, uh, commentary on that whole issue about, uh, serial killers. Can they be, is, is prison going to work for them? Or are these people just basically, um, wanting to, uh, kind of be rock stars in a way, you know, like serial killers. And, and if they want to write about their crimes and write about their lives, isn't it just they want to see some sort of glorification of what they've done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is why I won't cover the Luca Magnotta case on my podcast, because he's a notorious narcissist who loves the fact uh, of his name in the media. So I just won't I won't give it to him at all. Yeah, well, narcissism's mentioned in quite a number of uh, uh, stories about regarding their, the specific serial killers that they are narcissists, and uh, and and you know, th- there's a piece about. Um, uh, let me see. Let me just look this up really quick. Uh, the Man in Black and the Silver Screen: The Life and Crimes of Peter Moore. Uh, Peter Moore was a serial killer in Wales. And um, there's mention in the story, uh, Mark Friars is the writer, um, there's mention about how in court, you know, Peter Moore was acting like some sort of film star, you know, coming in like, you know, hey, here I am, and, and even contacting victims' families and, and completely insane things like that. And it was just, uh, you know, like his little glory. I mean, you know, we've all seen all the footage from Bundy and, and you know, you, you look at him uh, there in the courtroom, and you know he's loving it. He's loving it. Oh, and every then he has moment. His, yeah. his, his groupies are there too. These these insane women who seem to find something about him that you know. I mean, so yeah, narcissism's a big part of it. 
uh, almost like a, a cult figure in a way, uh, you know, uh, Charles Manson. Do you think that um, the death penalty uh, should be in or not? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite liberal, liberal in my views, but I think there are some things the death penalty, you know, I, I mean, why are we keeping these people around and feeding them and housing them and uh, give, giving them health care and dental care and TVs and gyms to work out in? I, you know, there's just some, a line you cross, and I don't know, why, why keep them around? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I agree, and some of them seem to have so many liberties, you know. Um, it, it, it's just crazy. Um, Tex Watson, you know, from the Manson family, has his own website, and, and uh, it just, I, I just, it just kind of goes beyond what they should have. Yeah, Son of Sam is the same. Yeah, it just, it's ridiculous. Jody Arias tweeting people. <laughs> well, we get a lot of people what doing next? tweeting that they shouldn't be doing tweeting, so <laughs> I won't say anything well, else. But I don't no, know what we you're talking about. You people are being yeah. mean. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> we, got, we got one narcissist that's doing too much. Take away that Twitter. Uh, so that's funny, but social media, is that going to change the way our serial killers behave, do you think, in the future? Is this going to incorporate in, the, in their behavior? Well, I mean, are they supposed to even have access to this stuff? I mean, I thought they're not supposed to be allowed to um, use social media or have Facebook pages or any of this kind of thing. Oh, in America, you can do anything in America. Yeah, that's true. Just, uh, that's true. Apparently, Clifford Olson, the guy I wrote about, had uh, a MySpace page that uh, <laughs> people were keeping updated for him. Yeah, that was before oh, Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you know, some yeah, people some people need something productive to do. I think that is not one of the things. No. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and sort of what I mean too, like even the ones that are out that that are not caught. Like you had Luca Magnata, we talked briefly about as, and he was really big on uh, creating several profile and Facebook fake accounts and uh, liking himself. You know, um, so do you think? It's going to incorporate in the way people actually behave as killers before they get caught. Do you know are they going to start using it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. No. I mean, why not? Yeah. You know. I mean, that's yeah. just the, that's you know, with social media is here and it's not going to go away. So uh, it stands yeah. to reason. We've already seen people live streaming suicide. It's just a matter of time before. We have uh, a serial killer doing his thing, um, and also the the, uh, the guy in New Zealand. He live streamed his whole murder spree in the yes, uh, yes, he, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that'll be a, 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 the next uh, book you can do is just start doing spree killers and mass shooters, and uh, there's just no end. No, there isn't. There isn't. I mean, the the, the book I'm currently working on does. Uh, it will have some of those cases in the, p the piece that I'm writing. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to give it away, but it is a, uh, someone who is in that category. As somebody who comes from a small town, uh, uh, there was a murder in, in my town back in Nova Scotia, uh, very not so recently, probably about 12 years ago now, where um, a mother murdered her daughter, her 12-year-old daughter. And uh, it just... It ripped the town apart, you know, uh, watching all this happen. 
um, it's a very rare thing in such a small place for those things to happen. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to read your next offering for sure. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it will. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, uh, th- I mean, that's the thing because you know, small towns you just don't think of necessarily um, as the places where all these things happen. But it, there's a lot of things going on in small towns. Bad things. I know. Yeah, I was surprised. Did you have you seen that one on Skidmore? You know, uh, where they shot the guy in the truck. Yeah, he was the bully. You remember that? That was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, there's been uh, several killings in the town. Oh, wow. And a yeah. similar way? No, uh, no, different ways. And, in fact, uh, we're going to have uh, Diane Fanning on next week because uh, there was one of the most crazy murders that happened in Skidmore, and there's been several since. And you're just going to um, freak out when you hear about what's been going on in that town. It's going to curl my hair. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I think I think Mike heard everything by now. <laughs> just about. Yeah, just about. He's, uh, yeah, he's he's heard a lot. He sits here with me. <laughs> well, here we go. Well, well, this has certainly been interesting. Do you have a website or a place that uh, people can come and? Uh, and uh, contribute stories or say hi to you or uh, well, how do you offer? Yeah, yeah, of course. I have uh, my website, mitzisoretto.com, uh, and uh, that I also am on Twitter, and I do not tweet superfluously either, uh, and I have a Facebook page, <laughs> so people can find me at those places, and they could even message me at those places, and uh, obviously I list my writer's calls for submission. I do have that at my website, so there's a tab with that. Um, I've got two weeks left for final submissions. If people are interested, they better find out now and start writing. <laughs> Oh, boy, get it in there now. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I have picked some stories. There's still room, but, um, yeah, we're getting down to the wire. So. Wow. Well, there you go. Get on it, Mike. <laughs> I'm right yeah, I think Mike, 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 yeah, Mike's got some other top-secret project going on. Right? Oh, there's <laughs> nothing top-secret about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, it is. It's true. It's At some point, we're going to do a book signing uh, here in locally as well. I hope so. If they get it rescheduled, we had, with this crazy weather, um, it was supposed to be this weekend, so that's been postponed. Um, there is going to be a book signing in Seattle on February 1st at um, Elliott Bay Book Company. Um, Mike, unfortunately, can't make that, but I will be there, and... Um, I'm not sure. I'm, there might be a contributor or two if they can manage to get in town. We'll see closer to that date, and hopefully the weather will be favorable. <laughs> I really wish I could go, yeah. but I've got uh, there's Fan Expo here, and we've been invited to do a live show there. So uh, okay, okay, I'll forgive you this time, but don't <laughs> let it happen again. Okay. Yeah, he's in demand. Oh. Yeah, well, hey, you know you can't him. fight it. No, we gotta gotta get him an agent. This too shall pass. I'm sure. I'm just a fleeting thing. You're 15 minutes. It's already down to 14 yeah. and a half. Oh, oh totally. <laughs> I fell asleep during mine. So, well, uh, I really appreciate it. It's been in- entertaining, and we're glad that uh, you came on the show. And 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 the book will be on the website, so anybody that is listening can just do one click, pick up the book. 
and it's the best new true crime stories and uh, serial killers. Mitzi Soretto, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you! If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.